This episode of the Policing Matters podcast is sponsored by LexisNexis Risk Solutions. Learn more about how the accurate virtual crime center can help you solve more crime and find non-obvious connections at risk.lexisnexis.com backslash A-V-C-C. Hello and welcome back and thank you for tuning in to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, today I'm speaking with Chris White, founder and CEO of the Athos Group, a national off-duty hiring firm for law enforcement officers. Welcome, Chris. Good morning. Thank you for having me, Jim. Sure. So like many officers struggling to provide for their families, Chris began working off-duty security jobs to supplement his income and purchased his first home with the money he earned. He then began assisting fellow officers by helping them schedule other regional off-duty requests and built an early reputation for reliability, accountability, and customer service. His success continued, and in 2006, he formed Innovative Surveillance Solutions, or ISS, starting with fewer than 100 law enforcement officer associates and two initial clients, the company grew over the last decade to supporting more than 500 clients in all major corporate sectors and partnering with more than 6,000 officers to provide services. In 2016, ISS became the Athos Group. And even with the tremendous growth of his company, the core values Chris first established remain at its foundation, trust, accountability, integrity, integrity, and partnership. Wow, that's a mouthful. Chris, uh, tell us a little bit about your organization. Oh, man. I uh, Again, thank you for having me on, uh, Jim. So uh, obviously, uh, you know, my background is in law enforcement. I, I went to the police academy when I was 19 years old um, and kind of went to a night school academy that they had in the, the part of the state that I uh, grew up in. And uh, like most cops and departments all across the U.S., I was you know, coordinating jobs and you know working every off-duty detail I could I could get my hands on to help support my family and uh, and had a you know the blessed opportunity to be able to build a business out of that. So um, you know we recently just closed uh, an, an acquisition and happy to announce uh, merging with uh, the CYA. That's a a legacy off-duty scheduling product for major departments across the U.S. And, you know, now our uh, sole purpose for being here is to help organize and provide transparency and uh, opportunities for departments in the communities they're serving to interact in uh, a less frictionless environment uh, where uh, private concerns are requesting, you know, public resources. So, uh, the Athos Group is now um, more of a holding company. We have two primary verticals that, uh, that we help assist law enforcement agencies and their communities. So we have one traditional staffing company, like you just described, that um, I started um, you know, almost 15 years ago. And we have a technology platform that we began developing back in 2013. And it's called Roll Call, R-O-L-L-K-A-L-L. Kind of like what we used to do at uh, you know the beginning of our shifts uh, at briefings. So uh, Roll Call is the hub. It's kind of the platform that these uh, departments are able to manage those uh, requests and concerns and 
helps them uh, monitor schedule and kind of facilitate payments. So, um, you know, kind of um, consider us now as Athos more of a kind of an industry association representative where um, we're trying to help provide, uh, you know, common sense uh, ways to apply these programs and in a way that, uh, that meets each individual department's kind of community needs. Yeah, so timing is everything. And COVID um, has been a, a downer for a lot of things in 2020. But I, I would imagine now that in, in the times of defunding, calls for defunding police agencies and reducing uh, overtime and cutting back hours, and some agencies even calling for furloughs of officers of taking an unpaid day off to make ends meet with budget, seems like now would be a perfect opportunity to um, get into secondary employment type of situations. What advice do you have for current or retired officers seeking outside employment? And, and what are the differences? Well, um, I, I appreciate you asking about the differences. There, there are certainly uh, many. Obviously, the, the number one priority for any full-time sworn law enforcement officer is to adhere to the policy and guidelines of their you know, uh, licensing agency. And to say that uh, the rules and regulations uh, vary would be, you know, a, a pretty big understatement. So uh, we've had the, the pleasure of working with departments from, you know, the um, upper Northwest, you know, down into the, the, the farthest reaches of the Southeast. And each department sees uh, these relationships uh, differently. Each state certainly regulates and monitors uh, the officer's activities differently. So uh, my number one recommendation to any officer looking to, uh, to provide uh, services to um, a consumer or requester of those services is they've got to find out what their departmental guidelines are. You know, as uh, a career cop, I was licensed for um, just right at 20 years. Um, we all know that our activities off the job can impact our ability to, uh, to perform and serve our communities on the job. And this is no different. So uh, the secondary extra duty, kind of uh, off duty industry, depending on where you're at, it's called different things. But uh, it could be as simple as um, helping provide uh, resources to high school football games or help direct traffic for a triathlon in your community. Um, you might be in a, a larger jurisdiction and you have uh, pro uh, games with baseball or soccer or football, and um, they're helping or needing assistance to supplement traditional security forces. So depending on how your department views those activities uh, will then lead you to being able to determine what you might be interested in uh, kind of performing. So, uh, you know, we've now worked with, oh shoot, man, um, almost 60,000 officers across the U.S. And I've not met one of them that went to the academy to be a security guard. You know, that, that's not why we go to the police academy. But unlike most other public service, uh, uh, you know, kind of professions, there is a reoccurring and legitimate need for law enforcement officers and peace officers to assist their communities once they get off the job. And so we're, we're trying to uh, help those departments understand, you know, 
how are we monitoring hours? How are we monitoring fatigue issues, compliance issues, and still allow these officers the opportunity to support their community and, and kind of help provide additional income for their families. Um, hey, you, you bring up two really good points. And one is that anybody working uh, secondary employment or off duty uh, should be fully aware of their own agency's uh, general orders and, and policies that direct how they should do that, whether they need to have a letter on file or they can't wear department property or whether they can. Uh, all those things are really important. Um, and then you talk about fatigue. That's a great issue because, uh, of course, you might have an agency that employs an officer for an eight-hour shift or 10-hour shift or even a 12-hour shift. Uh, you factor in court time or uh, you know a late arrest or something like that, and then they go and do another uh, six or eight hours somewhere else. The fatigue issue is huge, so I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, do you have positions for unarmed officers, and how do you how did how do you discern if an officer is a good fit for a particular assignment? So, you know. With, um, with our kind of staffing company and, and even through roll call, our primary job is to introduce an officer willing to provide services with a recipient or consumer that's looking for that relationship. So we help facilitate the handshake, so to speak, and uh, then allow those two user spectrums, the recipient and the provider, to then you know, have that relationship. So on the, on the national scale and kind of in that staffing agency, uh, we get the requests from you know, large national brands that, uh, that are looking for a relationship with a local law enforcement officer in their department, but they need a kind of a central repository to be able to go to and say, hey, we need help in St. Louis or um, you know, Miami or San Francisco. And so we help kind of coordinate and manage that. So depending on what the request is, um, you know, is it, a, uh, you know, is it traffic control or is it a potential workplace violence scenario? Then our team is working with the local law enforcement agencies to determine who that best officer is. And to your point earlier, um, you know, monitoring and, and making sure that can they wear their department uniform? Are they not allowed to wear their department uniform? Um, but in each of those instances, they're providing their equipment and, you know, their training and bringing that to, to the table. So um, I've not heard of a situation where an officer has provided these services unarmed. We hear often where uh, consumers or recipients, you know, might request that. But uh, it's kind of like a, a firefighter going to a scene without a fire hose. I mean, that, that one's, you know, uh, you're not as effective with what you're, um, you know, there to, to do. So. I mean, I always love it. You know, we pay police officers not just for what they do, but for, for what they're willing to do. And, you know, you're, you're taking a, a pretty important tool, you know, away from them at that time. So um, we primarily work with full-time off-duty peace officers. Uh, we don't work with retired or former uh, officers. There are several opportunities out there for them to get involved in some things. And uh, it's really kind of neat to see how with the new admin of technology and, and able to, uh, to provide different services they have, 
there's a kind of, you know, fantastic company out there that provides uh, former or retired officers to help drive your kids to school if that's what you're looking for. Mm. Um, you know, they might be kind of a last mile courier service for uh, some of these large, um, um, you know, uh, kind of intermediary, whether it's a, a kind of a uh, armed guard service or a kind of a, a you know, uh, oh shoot, trying, like an armored car service where they might need uh, someone to help uh, deliver uh, something of high value, the, the last few miles to a consumer. So there's a lot of neat things kind of coming out for, uh, for those of us that did serve and continue to have a servant's heart. And uh, we're kind of excited to see what that does, but that's not something that, that I'm particularly familiar with and not something that we do. Sure. Well, the reason I ask is, um, you know, we've heard it in law enforcement uh, schools asking for uh, unarmed school resource officers. And, and just like you say, it makes no sense sending a uniformed officer in without a gun belt. It makes no sense. But uh, different times these days. And so we're hearing uh, these requests um, because of the, the, the mere sight of, of a firearm in some situations. So um, if not now, I'm sure in the future, you'll, you'll probably start getting those requests. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the legal issues, the liability um, in these situations. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Is the liability um, assumed by the, the employer or by the officer, uh, your company, or is, what's the combination there? Well, Jim, I'm really glad you brought that up. That is... Um, I, that's an, a key factor in these relationships that I think is often overlooked because there's no simple answer to the question you just asked. As you and I both know, as a, as a sworn peace officer, you might be off duty, but you're never off the job. So as long as you're legally where you are at the time an incident occurs, you might immediately switch from being on, you know, off duty to on duty. Now you're you know, preventing a felony or an assault or you're, you know, kind of intervening in your official capacity as a peace officer. Well, um, let's say you have a, a mom and pop grocery store. Um, they're looking for some additional kind of, um, you know, assistance at the front of the store with a high visibility officer. Uh, the local community appreciates it. It gives uh, the appearance of a force multiplier. That officer is not, a, uh, you know, on the city clock, so they're not having to pay for that, but it, it increases the, the visible awareness for the, for the department. And the officers walk in out in the parking lot and they slip on a you know, sidewalk and they sprain their knee. Well, now the question is going to come into like workman's comp or injuries, you know, who is responsible for that? And the, the dominant relationship for these these services across the U.S. as an independent contractor uh, basis. So these officers are providing uh, their services as sole proprietors under the regulatory authority of their licensing agency. So it does become a, a little confusing, a little sticky. So what we've been able to do with, with our platform is you know, for the departments that are paying those officers as W-2 employees, and it kind of goes through their secondary employment program, much like an overtime detail, then those officers are covered by all of their department uh, insurance and policies. That's why a lot of departments now are 
looking towards uh, kind of uh, uh, having an administrative fee that they also charge the consumer because of uniform uh, wear and tear and kind of the liability costs. For the departments that allow their officers to work under their authority, but as independent contractors, then they need the assistance that uh, the Department of Labor and the IRS requires them to be able to, to make profit and loss decision-making uh, abilities and to, uh, to help cover themselves as sole proprietors. So um, through our platform, we're able to provide those services to them where they're able to kind of pick and choose what they feel like uh, is necessary for them, depending on the level of concern that they have for the detail and uh, help them run their, their small business. That's great. Hey, uh, Chris, I'd like to take a second to break for our sponsor, and uh, we'll be right back. Accurate Virtual Crime Center helps accelerate your investigations by finding connections between public records and nationwide law enforcement data with just one search. With cutting-edge analytics and data linking, law enforcement personnel can get a comprehensive view of people's identities. Evidence-based policing allows them to better target investigations generate leads and solve crimes. Using nationwide crime data, they can also detect patterns, predict upcoming events, and deploy resources efficiently. Accurate Virtual Crime Center helps police agencies be more effective in protecting and serving their communities. To learn more about Accurate Virtual Crime Center, visit risk.lexisnexus.com backslash AVCC. Well, welcome back. And I'm talking with Chris White, founder and CEO of the Athos Group, a national off-duty hiring firm for law enforcement officers. Uh, Chris, who's hiring right now? Do you see a pattern or trend? Um, anything uh, different this year than than previous? Oh, man. Yeah, obviously 2020 is unlike anything that uh, most of us have ever experienced, and certainly in the U.S. Um, and, you know, most off-duty requests in major cities are down uh, anywhere from 50 to 75 percent. So, uh, you know, you think of the traditional um, uh, kind of venues that might request an officer or their, you know, entertainment venues, their concerts, their large marathons and triathlons and uh, things where they might need assistance with traffic control, leaving a, you know, a high um, occupancy building. Uh, well, right now the building occupancy is down due to uh, you know the restrictions. So there's not as much of a need for traffic control, retail, restaurant. Um, one of the areas that uh, that is continuing to see growth is through the um, kind of the government-funded federal infrastructure or even your state infrastructure projects. The budgets for those are continuing to increase. So uh, in areas where uh, one of your listeners might be driving down the highway and they see uh, an, an, a law enforcement vehicle behind a, a traffic uh, construction project. Well, most likely that officer sitting in that vehicle is working in a secondary employment or an off-duty capacity. Now the department might be charging vehicle reimbursement fees or the officer might be in his or her uh, personal vehicle with emergency lights, but those projects are continuing to increase on a national scale. So you know, there's, there's still opportunities for them to, uh, to be able to supplement their income and provide a service. And uh, I certainly, I worked the same off-duty detail every weekend for eight years when I was a cop. 
Um, that, that's how I pay my bills. So, you know, I, I do know how important it is for them to, to seek that out. And, um, you know, I, I think there's still opportunities for them to provide for their families. Oh, for sure. And I would imagine with the rollout of a vaccine, um, you're probably going to be contacted by hospitals or maybe government agencies to help with, uh, with, as you said, escorting supplies or distribution centers or things like that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They, uh, you know, they might be transport facilities and, you know, they're, it's, um, it's, it's been fascinating for me to, to kind of, you know, having, you know, been in law enforcement and on the streets to kind of see how many um, nuanced and varied ways that uh, people request the services of, of officers. You know, they, they continue to be a, the primary source of comfort uh, unity and, uh, you know, the kind of that visible uh, representation of what we want our society to be uh, ethically and morally. And, you know, people are still comforted by having an officer nearby. And um, again, it's not for, for who they are, it's, it's for what they're willing to do. And, and uh, I, I, that will continue. They'll, they'll find ways to, to get them involved. So, um... We're experiencing something across the nation and uh, large businesses, um, it seems, have come out with, uh, due to liability concerns, they don't want employees uh, grabbing shoplifters or, or people uh, on the premise. So we've seen these no chase or no stop uh, policies. And uh, I've talked to some young officers who said they've been hired by high-end um, electronics uh, companies. Uh, we probably both have the uh, in our pocket something that belongs to them. And um, they've represented, uh, you know, the physical uh, representation of government in a, in a uniform. And yet, of course, somebody still goes through and scoops off a bunch of these devices and runs out of the store. Officer chases them down, brings them back and the manager's like, what are you doing? This is, uh, we don't want to catch these guys. We, we're hands off here. And word gets around. Um, I mean, it's, it's this vicious cycle where, you know, people on the street figure out which companies have these policies. How do you deal with that? Or have you had a chance to express to these businesses or these industries how harmful that could be? Uh, you know, we've not specifically encountered anything like that that I'm, I'm personally aware of where we've had a recipient of services on our on our contracting kind of staffing side that are, you know, just uh, pretty adamant about the, kind of the hands off. But what we have had are plenty of opportunities for uh, for our team to to speak with both the, the law enforcement administration and the the national retailer perhaps to really understand how are you wanting to represent your community and your business because at the end of the day the the law enforcement entity is going to have the rules and regulations on what those officers can and can't do that's the umbrella that that comes before everything else then the officer is uh, responsible for providing a service to that consumer so you know, it, it does get lost sometimes that in those relationships, um, they are the officer's client. And so it can get um, a little cloudy in that relationship. So I think it's very 
uh, important and incumbent upon those officers for you know that person to sit down with the manager, understand who's uh, who's requesting their services. Uh, what am I doing here? How can I assist you? And kind of talk through some of those uh, you know likely scenarios that. If someone does take an item, you know, what do you feel like my role and responsibility is? And, you know, like any other relationship, having that communication up front sets the standard. You, you certainly don't want to not chase and then them thinking that you should have and your apartment required you to. Uh, and you, you don't want to go uh, running out into the parking lot when they're like, you know, look, we get it. You know, it's kind of the cost of doing business. Uh, we want you to be here to help make the, uh, the patrons feel you know, safe. You know, we've got insurance, let them take it. So um, each community, each business, and, and frankly, each officer is unique in that. And you have 800 some odd thousand officers, not all of whom, you know, work off duty, but, you know, many of them do. And each of them are providing those services in a different way. So um, I think one of the, the blessings that, that we've been able to help uh, provide is, is just understanding how those relationships, uh, you know, meld together and, and how to communicate. So shifting gears a little bit from, from the individual officers being hired, do you still see entrepreneur uh, possibilities for, for people looking to get into um, something that you're doing? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, you know, where we provide uh, services primarily on with our technology to law enforcement agencies to help them manage their programs um, effectively and um, with transparency and, and clarity for their consumers uh, and for their constituents. Our national brand service provider is, you know, focused on, you know, large corporations with, um, you know, several dozen or a few thousand locations in different areas. But there's always a need locally for men and women like me that were providing a, a service and scheduling for a local business and found a way to be able to add value to that relationship. And, and you know, most cops are genuinely interested in helping people. And that is the foundational uh, principle for every entrepreneur I've ever met, where you see a need, you fill a need. And for officers looking to get into, um, you know, business, whether it's um, hanging Christmas lights at this time of the year or um, providing uh, coordinated, uh, you know, off-duty services uh, within the guidelines, uh, my recommendation for them is to, to find a way to uh, identify, you know, kind of walking onto a scene, you know, why am I here? Who needs my help? How am I able to provide a service? What are the threats here? Am I overextending myself financially for something that is short term or, you know, what, what are the risks and then make a uh, kind of a gut decision. And that that's what entrepreneurs do. We, um, we look at a situation, we, we make a, a kind of a snap judgment on whether or not we think we can fill a need and, and we take a risk and cops are ideally situated to be able to do that. And, um, you know, strangely enough, or, or thankfully, uh, I, I, I unfortunately can't uh, say which one it is, but a, a good cop with a little bit of investigative skills will be able to find them. There is a national uh, kind of a food chain that uh, looks for officers that are retiring in uh, areas that they're not currently, uh, that they don't currently have a store, a brick and mortar, 
and they have financing available for local officers retiring to plant, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, a, a restaurant. And, you know, so there's, there's some unique opportunities specific for officers. They'll, they can find them if they're looking. Yeah. Well, it seems like the time for opportunity is one of the benefits to come out of uh, COVID this year, and uh, it's not going away. Um, if anything, with, with reduced uh, personnel and sworn uh, positions and at agencies, um, we're going to see the, the need for uh, off-duty or supplemental um, security or, or other um, services to, to help uh, fill the gaps. So I'd like to wrap up. Chris, Chris White, thank you so much for sharing. Any, any final words to our audience? Uh, thank you again for having me today, Jim. I, I would just um, you know, encourage uh, all the men and women out there, you know, wearing a badge to, uh, to, to not be disheartened. You know, we, we've worked with almost 40,000 businesses now in the United States. And, you know, there are, there's a, there's a continued upswell of support for them. The opportunities for, uh, for men and women, regardless of their profession that are eager to, to provide a service to someone and has a genuine heart for that, they're still abundant. And uh, we just uh, just ask them to hang in there and, and know that we support them. Well, thanks so much. Well, thanks for sharing your experience from sworn law enforcement officer to uh, heading up this 6,000 uh, person agency and, and the work that you do across America. Um, opportunities are out there. Um, I hope you stay well, and I wish you well. And to our listeners, I want to hear from you. Uh, email is at policingmatters at police1.com, policingmatters at police1.com. And you can find Chris on his uh, Athos website. Um, Chris, you want to give that out? Yeah, it's um, athosgroup.com or rollcall, R-O-L-L-K-A-L-L.com. Great. All right. To our listeners, uh, be well, stay safe, and thanks for listening. Take good care.